things first. This is about truth telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what no mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Breath taking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> Yeah, you can predict you'll hear from me in regards to the NBA Finals. That's a given. You can also predict you'd probably hear from me about John Morant because a suspension is coming. Make no mistake about it. But I've heard a lot of people clamoring for me to talk about Shannon Sharp and Pat McAfee and reiterating my comments about what I said on Black on Black Crime. That's right. I said it. Well, guess what? Ain't nobody backing up. That's why I have this podcast. Stephen A. Smith Show coming your way right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show, coming at you several times a week, as I always love to do at the very, very least, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, live on YouTube at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific. Obviously, I love and appreciate all of y'all tuning in to this podcast. I hope that you will continue to do so. Just subscribe to the Stephen A. Smith Show, and obviously, you'll be one of the many followers that have joined this podcast, following me on a day-to-day, episode-to-episode basis. I really, really appreciate y'all doing that. Thank you so much. Obviously, today's show is being brought to you, although I am on the road, is being brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. That's where the studio is, thanks to our official studio sponsor. That's who they are, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is the official sports betting company of the Stephen A. Smith podcast and show. Let me get this out of the way first because I got a lot of things on my mind. I got Jamie Foxx on my mind because of some news percolating about him. Um, obviously, I made some noise the other day because of what I said about the shootings, the killings that took place in Chicago over Memorial Day weekend. And some of the things that I highlighted and people took umbrage and issue with that. I'm not running from it. I'm right here. I'll definitely get into that. And of course, by virtue of what I do for my day job on ESPN as the star of First Take, um, because of what happened uh, with the quote unquote competition, per se, that's how people view it in terms of Shannon Sharp for Fox Sports One uh, news being released that he's been bought out by FS1. And of course, Pat McAfee is about to come on ESPN in the fall. There's been a lot of people clamoring to hear what I have to say about that. Fine. No problem. I don't run from issues. It's not what I do. So you wanted me to holler about it? I will in just a few minutes. Let me get this out of the way. First, last night, Denver Nuggets game one against the Miami Heat. Denver Nuggets had their way. They were up by as many as 21. Ended up winning 104 to 93. Jokic and uh, Jamal Murray combined for 53 points. Um, Denver shot 61% from the field. In case you didn't know, Miami's given up about 57% shooting from two-point range uh, from the field. Not from three-point range, but from the field throughout this postseason. So obviously, that's something that's an Achilles heel of theirs. They're going to have to address it. Jamal Murray is a star, y'all. 
And Jokic is something special. At some point in time, we're going to have to look at him and we're going to have to talk about him, particularly if he wins the championship. We're going to have to talk about him amongst the all-time greats. When when you just recorded your ninth triple-double, when you've got about 15 triple-doubles in postseason history, this is what you've done in your career. When those numbers rival the great Wilt Chamberlain, for crying out loud. That's what you got to do if he ends up winning the championship. If he closes the deal, when you consider his footwork, when you consider his passing ability, when you consider his rebounding prowess, his passing ability, his assist, his shooting ability, the touch that he has, he can hurt you inside, outside. He's a big tub of law, can't jump onto a curb, looks as slow as a snail when you're just looking at him with the human eye, yet nobody can stop him, and most of the dudes can't even keep up with him. It's absolutely amazing to see. It really, really is. He is that dude. He is that special. But the key to their success, as far as I'm concerned, is Jamal Murray. Because when he shoots better than 40% from three-point range, they don't lose in the postseason. These are all the things that we have to pay attention to. We can't ignore it. And that basically is what the situation was. It wasn't necessarily that yesterday because they didn't need it to be. I think what you could walk, what you should walk away with scared about this NBA final series turning into a romp and it's just one game and I got Denver winning in six. People like Jay Williams, my colleague at ESPN and others got them getting swept. He might be right, but the reason I'm holding out hope that Miami could win in six games because I know they're tough. I know they play together. I know the culture is great. I know Eric Spolster, the coach, is great. But when you look at Jimmy Butler coming out there last night and being relatively passive, not being able to get a shot off, custom to driving into the lane. He drove to the basket about 18 times per game throughout this postseason. Yesterday, game one, he was only, only able to do it one, uh, about eight times. That's not going to cut it. When you've got shooters like Duncan Robinson and Max Struess being God-awful, and I mean God-awful, what do you say? Caleb Martin, who I thought and I still believe is a key for Miami, if they're going to have any shot at winning this series, he shot one for seven. At three points, they ain't going to get it done. He combined with Struess to go one for 17 because Struess went 0 for 10. Duncan Robinson came off the bench. He's a prolific three-point shooter, shooting better than 50% from three-point range. He shoots one of six. That ain't going to cut it. Because when I look at Miami in this series, I feel the only shot is to hit perimeter shots. They don't have any horses. Bam out of bottom might have scored 26 points, but it was on 25 shots. He ain't going to do anything for you in the paint against Jokic, against Aaron Gordon, against Jeff Green coming off the bench. Jimmy Butler, he's going to go at it and he's got to pull something out of himself to really, really show up because all of these guys have them. They all got them in size. He hit three of his four shots when Aaron Gordon was guarding him. He went one of nine when Jokic was guarding him. Can't post these boys up. He's going to have to hit perimeter shots. Gabe Vincent shot 50% from the field. You got you to hit perimeter shots. All of these role players that we've been bragging about and we've been lauding the Miami Heat for, they're going to have to show up and hit perimeter shots in order for the Miami Heat to have a chance. Otherwise, Denver's going to get them up out of here. Game two is Sunday night in Denver. We ain't coming back for game five if they can't make perimeter shots because they don't have any kind of interior game that's going to enable them to make any noise against Denver. It's really that simple. I'm not going to sit up here and sugarcoat it and act like, oh, my Lord, there's some suspense to all of this. I tried. I really, really did coming into game one because I really believe that. And I understand Miami had to go on an 11-0 spurt and made the score reasonable and decent looking at all of this other stuff. I mean, please, they were down by 21. At the end of the third quarter, at that time, Jokic had only taken five shots. They're basically telling you, we don't even need Jokic to beat Jokic. We don't need him to produce to that degree. We don't need him to be otherworldly in order to beat this team. And Miami's going to have to prove 
that that's not necessarily that's not necessarily the case. It's that simple. They're going to have to prove that. So we shall see. But at the end of the day, this does not look great. Seven of 27 shooting from three point range through the first three quarters. Miami was held 13 for 39 on threes for the game. Other than Vincent hitting five or 10 threes. Struess, Duncan Robinson and Caleb Martin combined to shoot two or 23 from the field. Forget their threes because they were awful. So let's see what happens in game two. There's a bigger story right now. And you hate to say that, that there's a bigger story in the NBA during the NBA finals. But during the press conference prior to game one of the NBA finals where Commissioner Adam Silver spoke to the media. He spoke about Ja Morant. Ja Morant, the star, the mercurial star for the Memphis Grizzlies, that Ja Morant. Ja Morant, who plays for the Memphis Grizzlies, who's scheduled to begin a new contract that's potentially going to earn him $231 million over the next five years, that Ja Morant. That same Ja Morant that got himself in trouble, not with the law, not with the law, but with the league. There was an investigation. He got into a fight with a kid last summer and came out of his house with a gun. There was something about a mall and whether or not he had a gun then. He was with his friends after they played the Indiana Pacers. He was sitting in a car with a friend. And according to the, a party of folks associated with the Indiana Pacers, some red laser light was pointed in their direction. We heard all of this. We heard all of this. And then, of course, it was him while in town, scheduled to play against the Memphis, uh, against the Denver Nuggets. He's at a strip club. And he was waving a gun around. That warranted an eight game suspension, costing him in excess of six hundred thousand dollars. It provoked a meeting in the league office in New York City with Commissioner Adam Silver. At which time John Morant told him and then ultimately told ESPN's Jalen Rose that wasn't his gun. That's not how he lives his life. He's not about that life, et cetera, et cetera. He made a mistake. It won't happen again. He's got to learn from it. Blah, 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 blah. And then weeks later, after getting ramrodded by the Los Angeles Lakers and put home and, and sent home to pasture without LeBron James even taking time to shake their hands because he was so annoyed at Dylan Brooks talking so much smack that he didn't even bother shaking their hand before he walked off the court and sent them home for the summer. John Morant was seen again. Waving a gun while he was in his car driving while one of his boys actually put it on Instagram live. So you're talking about self-inflicted wounds, not like TMZ or somebody busted him. Both times it was his own social media account or one of his boys that incriminated him. And as a result, the NBA said they were going to investigate. Well, yesterday, prior to game one of the NBA finals, Commissioner Adam Silver spoke to the media and essentially said additional info has been uncovered. He indicated they pretty much know what they're going to do, but they don't want it to be a distraction for the NBA finals. I'm paraphrasing. But here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen, we know it's not good news because if it was good news, why not just announce it and move on with the finals? We know it's bad. 
Matter of fact, it harkens us back to that cryptic tweet or Instagram post, wherever the hell it was, that Job ja Morant sent out weeks ago when he said bye. And then they sent the police. The police were sent to his house and they called it like what? What is it? A welfare check, meaning checking on the welfare of John ja Morant. And he was saying he was just saying goodbye to social media. But you had people who were literally scared that there was something that was going to happen to him or he was going to do something to himself. They didn't know what the hell was going on. Maybe John Moran, for all we know, has known since then that whatever's coming down the pike. He knew specifically what that's going to be, which leaves room for a whole bunch of speculation. There are some people who are saying John Moran should be suspended for the year. Let me be the first to say I will raise holy hell with all that I have if he is suspended for the year. I understand that he has impugned the integrity of the league. The brand itself does not want to be associated with guns. The times that we're living in, the violence that's been perpetrated throughout this country, the mass shootings, over 260 that have taken place this year alone. Mass shootings, the definition of it is four deaths or more excluding the actual shooter that is taking place in our country. Well, there's over 260 of them that have occurred. This year alone, we understand that the NBA doesn't want to be associated with such things. It compromises its brand. We understand business is business. We get all of that. But you don't suspend him for the year if the man ain't break any laws. We got to take that into consideration. He hasn't broken any laws. And in Tennessee, Tennessee's one of those states where not to say that I know whether he was in Tennessee or not, but it's one of those states where, you know, you can you can carry without a permit. Which is a law I think desperately needs to be changed. Shouldn't be carrying unless you have a permit. Shouldn't be carrying unless you know how to use the firearm. That you have some kind of training. And it should be complete, completely legalized. There has to be a process that you have to go through. You can't just be having a wild, wild west all over the damn country. It's ridiculous, but that's neither here nor there. As it pertains to John Morant, you work for somebody. You represent that brand. And by virtue of the fact that you represent that brand, you can't just do what the hell you want to do when you want to do it, how you want to do it, while you got your damn hands out for somebody else's money. You got to capitulate to rules and regulations that are applicable to everybody. And ladies, I get, ladies and gentlemen, I have a right to say that. I represent Walt Disney. I'm a grown-ass man. But I understand there's rules and regulations that come along with being employed by anybody. And if those are rules that I compromise, there's a price that I have to pay. And sometimes in some cases, it's with people's jobs. But it shouldn't be a year. Hell, it shouldn't even be half the season. But what I will say to you is this. If John Morant ends up getting about a 25 game suspension. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Because it's not about just about what he did as it pertains to waving around a gun, which is not something that the league is down with. It's about the fact that you met with the commissioner and the commissioner has given every indication over the last several weeks that he was shocked and appalled by what happened because he gave you a break the first time. He could have suspended you for the rest of the season. He could have suspended you for the playoffs and could have ruined Memphis's season before Memphis ruined it on its own against the Lakers. But he didn't do that. He gave John Moran an opportunity to come back and be on that basketball court and play. 
And John Moran gave an indication that what you saw was an aberration and it would never happen again. And then turned around and made him out to look like a damn liar. And a fool for trusting John Morant. Adam Silver's not going to take too kindly to that. Because if you let John Morant get away with it, who's to say the next player ain't going to come down the pike and look you in your face and just tell you what you want to hear and then turn around and do the exact same thing he told you he would never do again. That's what this is about. And ladies and gentlemen, let me close by saying this. I've said this many times over the years, and I'll say it again. Because when you're blessed to be in a position that I've been in, you have experience. You've been exposed to certain things and to certain people. I will tell you this. You don't lie to your bosses. There are certain questions that are beyond the pale, that are off limits, and that's none of anybody's damn business. You are perfectly within your right to say that. You are perfectly within your right to say, that's not a place that I want to go. Sir, ma'am, I'm not comfortable talking about that subject going there with you. I'm sorry, I can't answer that question. What you don't do is lie to their face. Because when you lie to their face, ain't no three strikes in you out. This ain't Major League Baseball. You get one shot to tell your bosses the truth when they ask you a damn question. You can refrain from answering the question. You can let them know about the discomfort. You can even let them know if you feel it's unfair. Or it's perfectly within your right to keep that nugget of information to yourself because it's none of their concern because it doesn't affect your job performance. You could do all of those things. What you can never justify is lying to your boss. Once you do that, trust is gone. You never get it back. I'm telling you what I know. That ain't from experience because in all of these years I've been in this profession, I can tell you with a straight face. God is my witness. I've never lied to my bosses. If something ain't, ain't, is none of their business, I'll tell them, no, we're not going there. We're not discussing that. That's my personal business. I don't have to answer that question. I would tell them that in a heartbeat before I lied to them. You lie to bosses. That opens up a Pandora's box you ain't ready to deal with. Commissioner Adam Silver has alluded to being lied to by John Morant. Don't expect the penalty for that to be a soft one. Listen to your boy. I know what I'm talking about here. You're watching the Stephen A. Smith show right here live. And like I said, a lot of people wanted me to get into some stuff. You know, you see stuff. You see the questions pouring in on social media and beyond. People asking me about Pat McAfee coming to ESPN. Shannon Sharp leaving FS1. I tried to stay away from it, but y'all kept coming. Doesn't mean I have to tackle everything. But it's fair to want to know my thoughts about all of that. So here I come. Stick around. It's up next. I'll get to it. Shannon Sharp and Pat McAfee. You're listening live to the Stephen A. Smith Show. Back with more in a minute. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Welcome back. Um, a little over a week ago. 
maybe a little more than that. I got word that Pat McAfee was coming to ESPN. <clears throat> and there's a lot of people that had a lot of questions about that. They heard the number being offered, reported by the New York Post and various other publications, five years, around $85 million. Of course, ESPN, as is its typical position, declined to comment on the figures in the deal, of course. Um, the Pat McAfee show will be on ESPN's cable channel, on ESPN's free YouTube channel, and on its direct-to-consumer streaming service, ESPN+. Um, the deal replaces the FanDuel sponsorship deal that Pat McAfee had, which was reportedly for four years and $120 million. FanDuel has not addressed the McAfee situation, uh, nor did they explain its view on how their deal with Pat McAfee dissolved. The deal reportedly averages about 17 million a year, according to the New York Post. ESPN will receive 230 fully produced shows a year that it can sell advertising against. Um, and the one other point that the article made in the New York Post, it doesn't say who wrote it here, but in all likelihood, um, it was uh, written by Andrew Marshan, who's usually on top of these matters. It says the athletes are now putting on the sports shows. Evident with the McAfee agreement, similar to Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions. Peyton Manning does his Monday night football cast with his brother Eli, but he is also the lead producer on the, on, on Peyton's Places, on a Peyton, Peyton Places series, among other things. First of all, props to Peyton Manning. My show, The NBA is Stephen A. in Stephen A's World, is produced by my production company, Mr. SAS Productions, in concert with Omaha Productions, who obviously has a deal with ESPN. Um, and, and Peyton Manning was on my show uh, last night. I love working with the Mannings. I love them as people. I love them as professionals. They're just phenomenal. Um, and I got a lot of love and respect for them. So let me throw that out there. That's number one. Number two, <clears throat> Pat McAfee. The reason why people were clamoring for me to, ch to chime in about him is because you have so many people that are looking at what he's getting paid. It's no secret that even though you don't know the numbers that I make, even though I'm sure a lot of you think, you know, it's clearly more than I'm making. Stephen A., what do you have to say about that? Two things. Number one, I don't give a damn. He negotiated his deal a few weeks ago. I negotiated my deal a few years ago. Climate is different. Market is different. Different things are happening. The situation is not the same. That's only one of the reasons it's not the same. Now, I know there are those of you that will sit up there and say, that's BS. Disney announced months, months ago, it's laying off 7,000 people. It's trying to make up for $5.5 billion in losses because of the pandemic where parks were closed and movie theaters were closed and revenue was compromised and stuff like that. And anybody under the Disney umbrella has to pay a price. Uh, how could they go and they could make a deal like this? How many times have I told y'all 
I'm a big boy. I've been to hell and back. This does not phase me at all for several reasons. Number one, Pat McAfee deserves it. You looking for some haterade here, wrong place. Pat McAfee has been doing the Pat McAfee show for six years. He's got over two million subscribers on YouTube. People watch him. People enjoy him, particularly the younger demographic, not to mention the fact he does a phenomenal job on college football game day. But even saying that, that's not my biggest point. My biggest point to make sure that I point out to everybody because I want you to grasp this because I want y'all to learn from this. I'm not here just to tell you where I stand and how I feel. I'm not just to talk to you here to talk to you about issues percolating in the world of sports, uh, you know, uh, you know, pop culture and entertainment, politics, social issues, news, uh, current news events, et cetera, et cetera. It's not just about talking to you about how I feel about those things. It's about giving you an opportunity to be enlightened by the experiences that I've had, because let's face reality. Even in the year 2023, there ain't too many black folks in my position who've been exposed to the things, the situations and the people that I have been exposed to. You know how many times I've said to you, I ain't selling out, I'm looking out. Do you know why I say that? Because I abhor and I get easily disgusted by people who are quick to tell you what path to take. Knowing they're leading you down a dead end. If I'm successful, my obligation to you is to show you and tell you what I know so I can help facilitate your success because I don't want to be at the top alone. I don't want my life resembling I am legend with Will Smith where the streets are empty and everything looks deserted and nobody's prospering. What damn good is that? I want everybody to succeed. I just want to succeed too. And I want to be considered the t one of the tops, if not the top at what I feel in salary and everything else. But I got to do my due diligence. See, we're looking at Disney and we're looking at things all wrong. Pat McAfee has a business. It's his podcast, his show. He owns it. He produces it. His studio in Indianapolis is his. The people who work for him, he employs them. People are looking at it like ESPN hired Pat McAfee. They made an acquisition. Because the potential is there for him to make more money than some other shows were making. And when you're in those positions, you make decisions every day. I can't believe the hate that people were throwing in Pat McAfee's direction for what? Ladies and gentlemen, to accomplish what he accomplished, being a punter in the National Football League and then ultimately putting all of this stuff together for six years, he had to bet on himself. He had to take a chance and a risk. He had to flop and potentially fail and to open himself to scrutiny and criticism and skepticism before he got to this place. He did that. Hate on him. I admire what he has done.
I respect what he has done. So much so that I'm doing it. I told y'all at the top of the show, feel free to subscribe to my channel. I got damn near 130,000 subscribers. I've only been doing this four months. Only been doing it four months. But here I come. It's people like Pat McAfee I get to thank for that. He ain't the only one. Dan Patrick's done it. Joe Rogan has done it. Bill Simmons has done it. There's a host of other people. Those are just names that come off the top of my head. They've done it. So hate, I respect it. Thank you for playing a part in showing the way and the wave of the future. I'm the star of the number one sports morning show in America for the last 11 and a half consecutive years. I'm on NBA Countdown on ABC at ESPN. I've been blessed and fortunate enough that everything I've touched in the last eight to 10 years makes money. Doesn't cost money. That's business. ESPN doesn't owe me an explanation. They owe no one an explanation. They're in the business to try and make money. And in the process of doing so, decisions are made. Costs get cut. Things get re reconfigured. Bodies rise and fall. The greatest thing, as I've said weeks ago, I didn't know it at the time, but the greatest thing that ever happened to me in my adult life was when ESPN let me go in 2009. Because I didn't know my business. I didn't master my business. I had no clue about my worth, my marketability or anything in between. And I and I made sure to rectify that. You got folks looking at me, Stephen A, Stephen A, what you going to do? I know you're pissed off. You are so wrong. I got a lot of love for Pat McAfee. I got a lot of love for all my colleagues. They are special. It's a host of them doing big things. And I ain't going to mention all the names because I don't want to leave anybody out. But it's a new era. It's a new day. Don't hate on the people who show you a new way. Appreciate them. I appreciate Pat McAfee. My contract is up in two years. I'll have my opportunities to get my own. You know anything about me. You know how I like my money, right? How much of a capitalist I am, right? You think I'm looking at Pat McAfee and I'm upset? I'm thankful. Thank you. I appreciate it, bro. Thank you very, very much. Today is your turn. Tomorrow's mine. That's how I think about it.
That's not throwing any shades, any threats or anything like that. It's accepting and embracing business. I wake up every day. My mentality and my motto has not changed. Every day I wake up. How do I make my bosses more money? How do I get some of it? And I'll add a third one. How can I position myself to get more of what I know I deserve? Even if it's through ownership on my part, which would require me to bet on myself and take risk and falter and fail and rise and succeed. That's what Pat McAfee did. And that's why ESPN went and got him. Mainly Jimmy Pitaro, my boss, who's a hell of an executive and an even better person. It's never been bad to me. And we don't even talk about how I feel about Bob Iger. We go back a long ways. He's on another stratosphere to me, the greatest executive I've ever known. But that don't mean they're going to keep me. Nor does it mean I might want to stay. Business is business. The Pat McAfee's, the Bill Simmons, the Joe Rogan's of the world. The list goes on and on. Hate they've shown different ways. Don't hate y'all. Emulate. You'd be surprised where it gets you. Speaking of people who are taking a different path and moving on. Shannon Sharp is leaving FS1. <clears throat> Do I have an idea of what happened? I'm Stephen A. You're damn right I do. Do I know for certain? No, I do not. If I knew for certain, would I tell you? Hell no, without their permission. Because Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp could be at FS1, at least for the moment in the case of Shannon Sharp. I've gotten to know Shannon Sharp a little bit over the last few years. I genuinely like him and respect him. He is a three-time Super Bowl champion. He is a Hall of Famer. He is one of the greatest tight ends in the history of the National Football League. And I personally think he's done a hell of a job on television and with his podcast club, Shay Shay. Which, by the way, I'm going to be a guest on in the near future. And he's also going to be a guest on here in the near future. But I sincerely hope, regardless of what opinions I'm about to give, that y'all don't make the mistake of assuming that I'm going to speak against my man Skip Bayless. That is not going to happen. Skip Bayless and I have disagreed on many things. On the air and off the air. We're natural born contrarians with one another. We don't think alike. We don't act alike. We don't like the same things. We don't vibe with each other in terms of our ideas and our belief system. But you remember when I told you that I was the star of the number one sports morning show for the last 11 and a half years? The first four years of that was with Skip Bayless. I'm never in that position if it were not for Skip Bayless. 
Skip Bayless asked me to come on first take. Skip Bayless permitted me to come on first take. Skip Bayless fought for me to come on first take. Skip Bayless played a role in restoring my career that I felt had wrongly been taken from me. I will never disrespect him. It will not happen. Never. But that doesn't mean I can't disagree with him. This is not one of those times because I don't know what happened to tell you why I agree or disagree. Here's what I can tell you. When news was announced that Shannon Sharp had been bought out of FS1 and he would be leaving at the conclusion of the NBA Finals, there were two things that came to my mind. That's a big loss for the show Undisputed. Because Shannon matters. And that I don't know what his plans are. I don't know what he's trying to pursue. I don't know what he's after. But if Shannon Sharp needs me, I'm happy to be here for him. And if that included him wanting to come on first take, the bosses at ESPN know. That is something I would support. Not every day. But one of those days every week, yeah. And why do I say not every day? Because you need to understand something. I apologize for this to no one. I love me some Michael Irvin. That's my brother, the playmaker. And I understand he got himself embroiled in some situation and I have no clue what that, what's gonna happen with that. That is above my pay grade. Whatever they discover, they discover. Remember, I get to hand pick who's on first take once they're in-house for ESPN. I don't get to bring them from the outside in without the bosses okay. We have to be honest. I'm not the boss. That's Dave Roberts. That's Jimmy Pitaro. That's Burke Magnus. That's those dudes. I answer to them. It's not the other way around when it comes to all matters pertaining to ESPN. But they know where I stand. I love me some Michael Irvin. I always want my brother with me. Um, he ain't the only one. Keyshawn Johnson, that's my brother. We go back over 20 years and I think he's excellent on TV discussing football. Ryan Clark, the pivot, Ryan Clark, the NFL analyst extraordinaire, Ryan Clark, Marcus Spears, a.k.a. Swagoo, my brothers. My brothers. And they ain't the only ones. Dominique Foxworth, Damian Woody, you know, Bart Scott and all these. But I got an A-list roster. I ain't even bring up Dan Olofsky, who is great. I didn't even bring up Mina Combs. I didn't even bring up Jeff Saturday, who I hope returned. I miss Jeff Saturday on first day. I don't give a damn what happened with him in Indianapolis when he became a head coach, took the job in the damn middle of the season. That's a different matter than being first take. Being on first take, hell no. But I'm just telling you right now to be clear. If Shannon Sharp wanted to run, wanted to join that roster, 
much no resistance from Stephen A. I got love for Shannon Sharp. I respect the hell out of him. And there's no doubt the man knows his football. But I ain't looking for anybody every day. Because I got a whole host of contributors that I don't ever want to let go of. Having said all of that, was I surprised at all that Shannon Sharp ended up departing from Undisputed on FS1? Absolutely not. Not at all. And this right here is the reason why. Skip tweeted something, and although I disagree with the tweet, uh, and, and uh, hopefully uh, Skip would take it down, but I didn't want it. Well, yep. Time out, time out. I'm not going to take it down because okay. I stand by what I tweeted. Skip, let me okay. finish. Let me, All right, okay. Go ahead. No, you go. Go ahead, let's go, Jen. Okay. I mean, I cannot even get through a monologue without you interrupting okay. me. Well, you could have came back. Skip, well, I thought, Skip, just let me. I, I didn't I, know I, you I were going to bring no, up. No, it. I was just going to say, Skip, I didn't want to yesterday to get into a situation where DeMar Hamlin was the issue. We should have been talking about him and not get into okay. your not get into your, uh, your tweet. That's what I was going to do. But you can't even let me finish my opening monologue without you interrupting. Okay. I was under the impression you weren't going to bring this up because nobody here had a problem with no, that tweet. No. Clearly, the bosses wanted you to offer explanations. So clearly, somebody no, they did not have nobody. Let's go, Jay. I'd be a damn liar if I told you that when I saw that transpire on national television, that I didn't believe in my heart that this day wasn't coming. I don't know what went on. I don't know what happened. I have not spoken to Skip Bayless. I have not talked to Shannon Sharp about this, but I am telling you, I know Skip Bayless. And when that moment happened, I said, this is over. This is over. Because when something like that happens, in a public platform, there's certain things that you just don't recover from relationship-wise. That was just my belief based on my experience, no, no knowledge of the situation because ain't none of my business. And that's what happened. But in the end, what it comes down to is this. Skip is always going to be a winner in television in my book. And I'm quite sure even the names that have been thrown out there, um, LaShawn McCoy, Scottie Pippen, Antonio Brown, and, and Brandon Marshall, Victor Cruz, whatever they do, they do. They do what they do. I do what I do. But with people clamoring for me to comment about it, I just wanted to make the point that I'm never going to disrespect Skip Bayless. It's not going to happen. I don't know what happened. And if he doesn't want to tell me, he doesn't have to tell me. We haven't spoken in a while. And Shannon's business is Shannon's business. You saw him in the news. House just got robbed. Somebody robbed like damn near a million dollars of his jewelry. 
He was thankful they didn't kill his dogs, according to the reports. Um, that was publicized. Obviously, this happened, brought out by FS1. I can't imagine that it was something that he'd want to happen, having that daily platform available to him. The reports are already out that Skip Bayless and Skip Bayless alone will say yay or nay to who Shannon Sharp's successor is. But Shannon is not somebody that's going to be out of this business. Club Shay Shay ain't going anywhere. And his talents, which have elevated as a commentator and pundit over the years. That's not going anywhere either. He'll be somewhere. Hell. In at least some kind of capacity, for all I know, it might be first take when all is said and done. I have no idea. I have bosses to answer to. But I wouldn't resist it. If they asked him. To show up for at least one day a week. Again, I'm not looking for anybody five days a week. I like my roster contributors. I like the diverse voices and all of that other stuff. It's the way it should be my opinion, at least for now. But I like Shannon Sharp. And I'll help him any way he asks me to. Last thing I want to get into before I go to break. All I want to say is that for months, there's been some noise out here about the status of Jamie Foxx, an individual I consider to be the greatest talent, arguably, in the history of Hollywood. Maybe you might find an actor better. Maybe you might find a musician better. Maybe you might find a comedian better. You ain't gonna find somebody who's better at all three. This brother is something special. And we've heard numerous reports about him and according to some journalist, A.J. Benzer, he reported on the complications of Fox illness have led to the act of being partially blind and paralyzed. I haven't heard anything like that. The reason I'm only speaking on it is because, A, I think that's an excessive thing to put out strictly on rumors. That ain't right. I'm not trying to throw shade on A.J. Benz or whatever, but damn, that's not something you should be reporting unless you know it for a fact. And when it pertains to somebody's health, I, I don't think I would have revealed that even if I knew it dead to rights. But they was talking about some complications from, from taking the COVID vaccine or whatever. I don't know. I sincerely doubt that's true, but who knows? Haven't heard from Jamie Foxx in a while. You know, actually, he wasn't too pleased with me over the Rihanna situation when I put out the, you know, when I was on Sherry Shepard's show and I said I prefer Beyonce at the Super Bowl show, but that's neither here nor there. I love Jamie Foxx. He's one of the best people I know. He's a good brother. Over the years, he's always been good to me and has always been straight up with me and has always given me great advice. And 99% of the time when he gave it, I needed it. Because I was more wrong than right and he was more right than wrong. And the world is a better place when this brother is around. So I just wanted to take a moment to extend my well wishes. I don't know what's going on. I haven't spoken to him in a while. But I'm praying for him. I'm wishing him the best. God bless him and his family. And I just want him back healthy and, 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 and vibing and ready to roll 
and continue to showcase the greatness that he has put on display for decades since the days of in living color to law abiding citizen, the Jamie Foxx show and everything else in between. He is phenomenal, not just as a talent, but as a person. And I just wanted to take a moment to tell a brother I love him no matter what. And I'm wishing him a speedy and fully recovery from whatever it is that he's experienced. I don't know. And I don't want to know unless he wants to tell me. It's none of our business. I just want him better and healthy. God bless him and his family. Back with more of the Stephen A. Smith Show in a minute. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Thanks again for returning to the Stephen A. Smith Show. Remember, you can subscribe uh, and be sure to like and subscribe to the Stephen A. Smith channel. Hit that bell so you can get notified when we go live. Okay, make sure you do that. Tune in to the Stephen A. Smith Show coming at you at the very least every Monday, Wednesday and Friday live 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific right here on the Stephen A. Smith Show on YouTube. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, it's just my personal opinion. That's all it is. Take it for what it's worth. Somebody's got to say it, so I'm going to say it. We need a new president in 2024. We need a new president. Now, when we saw what we saw the other day, Biden handing out diplomas to graduates at the Air Force Academy in Colorado. And we saw him fall. You'll see it right here. Watch him, he tripped, tripped over a sandbag. Let me be very, very clear about where I'm going with this. That could happen to anybody. It's not a big deal. I've tripped and bust my behind on several occasions, sometimes running up the stairs. It happens. It's not the end of the world. It's not evidence that he's just not all there. But he is 80. He'll be 81 by the end of his term. Approaching 82. And there have been times where you've looked at him and you said, I don't know. I'm not calling for him to be removed from office. I'm not calling for the 25th Amendment to be invoked so Kamala Harris can take over the presidency and all of this other stuff. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not trying to disrespect our president. I mean, I like some of the things that he did as a senator. Remember, he was a part of that crime bill in the 90s. He was one of those people that was calling folks predators, even though the Congressional Black Caucus obviously had no problem with him taking that position at that time, which is a different subject altogether. I am in no way trying to disrespect our president. I voted for him. 
And based on some of the leading candidates on the right side, I'd probably be forced to vote for him again. Because they scared the living hell out of me with some of the things that they're preaching about. But I wouldn't like it. Because, ladies and gentlemen, without trying to engage in any kind of ageism at all, because I don't believe in it, there does come a point in time where there are certain jobs you don't need. It's not that you don't need to be working. It's not that you don't need to be living your life. It's not that you don't need to be living a very vibrant lifestyle or anything like that. But there are responsibilities that are far, far, far more extensive than, let's say, the typical nine to five that somebody in their 80s may not need to be doing. I think the presidency is one of them. I do. And even though that's not a big deal because anybody could have tripped over a sandbag, you know what the Republicans are going to do during the campaign. Every word he stutters, every sentence he fumbles, and Lord help him if he trips and falls again, all they're going to do is try to indicate that that's a reason as to why you shouldn't vote for him. But here's one of my biggest reasons. And again, forget Biden for a second, because this is no disrespect to him. What does it say about our country where we're looking at an 80 year old who will be 82 if he wins the presidency again in 2024? What does it say about our country if that's what we're depending on? I mean, to the Democrats, y'all ain't got nobody, nobody. I know it's a double negative. I know I'm grammatically incorrect. It's on purpose. It's for effect. Damn, y'all don't got nobody. 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 Well, I do. Let me give you a few names. You know, they talked about some woman, Marianne Williamson, an author and spiritual advisor who sought the Democratic nomination in 2020, the first Democrat to officially declare her candidacy, jumping into the race despite indications that the president will seek another term. She has no political experience. She has no chance. This is not Trump part deux. Ain't happening. OK, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. We can't forget him. He's 69, by the way, nephew of, of President John F. Kennedy and the son of his slain brother, Robert F. Kennedy, both assassinated. What is he famous for? Other than once being a best-selling author, I would know something about that, straight shooter. Memoir of Second Chances and First Takes. Check your local bookstores. Online as well, you'll see my book, Stephen A. Smith, Straight Shooter. I know something about being a best-selling author. He was also an environmental lawyer. But now what is he most famous for? Being an anti-vaccine activist whose work has been described by public health experts and members of his own family as misleading and dangerous. I threw out those two names because those are two official candidates. Can I give you some unofficial ones just for consideration? Can I give you one, please? I can give you a Democratic choice right now that is unbeatable. Nobody will beat this person. Nobody. Michelle Obama. She'd win by a landslide. I don't care 
what these ladies say. I don't know if there's a woman alive who wouldn't vote for Michelle Obama. Maybe you could find a few, I guess. Won't be many. 99% of the female population in this country will vote for Michelle Obama. And let me tell you something else. So would 99% of the black community. So would at least 89% of the Hispanic community. I predict at least 80% of the white community will vote for Michelle Obama. Now we know she ain't running. She detests Capitol Hill. She was there for eight years as the first lady. We can't knock her for that. We know this is pie in the sky. She ain't going that route. We get that. We understand it. But she is unbeatable. Nobody would beat her. Nobody. I don't care what they say, especially in the day and age when Roe v. Wade has been overturned. There's no way in hell she would lose. But that's pie in the sky. I'm obligated to point out Elizabeth Warren. Senator from Massachusetts. Because obviously she's ran before and she's hinted at running again. My issue with Elizabeth Warren is one thing and one thing only. If you don't agree with her, she makes you feel like you're going to hell. That's my only problem with Elizabeth Warren. I'm not talking policy. I'm certainly not talking character or anything like that. Very smart, highly intellectual, what have you. It's just that every time I listen to her speak, when she's talking to people, it's like if you don't agree with her, you're destined for hell. She always has this high moral ground that exceeds everyone else's. That bothers me. Sorry to sound like Mad Dog Russo for Mad Dog Russo, but that bothers me. I don't like that. Bernie Sanders, look, I want to go home with more than 20% of my money. Sorry. I'm a capitalist. I believe every American citizen should walk home with at least 50% of their money. I believe that. But here's some other candidates. I wouldn't mind seeing Hillary Rodham Clinton take a third shot at it. The woman is just smart. Everybody trying to talk about whatever it is that they think she's done and corrupt and, you know, the 33,000 emails that disappear. Stop it. You had Trump for four years. You ain't in no position to be talking about people and their behavior. Hell with that. And by the way, she won a popular vote. Third shot of Hillary Rodham Clinton, I wouldn't mind. Although I'm totally not down with Gavin Newsom and the policies in California, I think he'd be a better candidate than Biden right now. You know who else I like? I like Hakeem Jeffries. Minority whip in the house for the Dems. I like Hakeem Jeffries. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind seeing him go at it. I like Hakeem Jeffries. Okay. This ain't gonna happen either. But because I'm about my business, and although I'm socially liberal, I'm fiscally conservative. I though I do like the idea of a businessman. Somebody that knows business, that knows something about an economy, that knows what it takes to resurrect fledgling things. I think Bob Iger is the greatest I've ever seen. I just do. He'll never run. I mean, he's living his life, running Disney, but this man has hovered over Disney for 16 plus years. The troubles, the storms that Disney's experienced right now ain't his fault. 
Hell, even the stuff with DeSantis ain't his fault. That was happening before he came back. Bob Iger's that dude. Ain't gonna happen. I'm just telling you my personal preferences. And in terms of the plausible, Bob Iger's not gonna happen. Michelle Obama's not gonna happen. Hakeem Jeffries is a possibility. Gavin Newsom's obviously a possibility. Respectfully to the president, smart, accomplished, been around a long time, no disrespect whatsoever, I voted for you. I just don't believe somebody in their 80s should be running the country. Just like I thought Ruth Bader Ginsburg should have walked away while Obama was still in office, so he could have selected her successor, but she wanted to hold on to her seat because you know what? That means Hillary Rodham Clinton is going to win the election, and that way, a woman will net will select my successor. Very arrogant on her part. She assumed Hillary was going to win. She was wrong. Trump won. Then she passed away. God bless and rest her soul. And as a result, instead of a five-four majority. On the conservative side in the court, it's now 6-3. And if DeSantis or Trump wins, it'll be 7-2. Because we arrogantly think we could just wait and it's people's turn. and also, The American people decide that. Not you. Let us pick who the best candidate is. And if we don't believe it's Kamala Harris or Gavin Newsom or Joe Biden or we, or we prefer Michelle Obama or Hakeem Jeffries or even Elizabeth Warren or somebody, then let that be the case. Just my thoughts. Just my thoughts. Last item. The United States Senate repealed the student loan forgiveness plan. Reading from the reports here, uh, a joint resolution to block President Joe Biden's student loan relief proposal cleared the Senate on Thursday. It cleared the Senate by a vote of 52 to 46. Democratic Senators Joe Manchin and John Tester, along with independent Senator Kurt Kristen Sinema, supported the measure, as did every Republican. The legislative action against the plan amounts to a symbolic show of congressional disapproval. The resolution would repeal the program's efforts to cancel up to $10,000 in loans for borrowers whose income falls below certain levels and up to $20,000 for those who received Pell Grants. Republicans claim the loan relief proposal will not only spur inflation, but is not fair to those who didn't take on college debt. Senator John Thune said, quote, the president's student loan giveaway is in a government handout for the needy. It's a handout that will disproportionately benefit that will be disproportionately beneficial to Americans who are better off. The nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office estimated it would cost taxpayers roughly $400 billion. According to other senators like, Thune, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Senator Pat, Patty Murray of Washington said the student debt is a drag on the economy. It prevents millions of borrowers from buying homes, starting families and launching businesses. 90% of the relief will go to borrowers earning less than $75,000 a year. The White House warned in a statement last month that Biden would veto the resolution. 
I have mixed emotions about that. As a minority in this country, a member of a populace that only takes up nearly 13% of the population in the United States, knowing that the desolate and disenfranchised amongst us need all the help that they can get, and that there's really, really a minimal chance at success in a lot of folks' eyes without a, poly, uh, without a college education. Obviously, this does not make me happy. I'm down for sacrificing for two types of people. The poor and the elderly. Throw out everything to do what you can to uplift the most helpless amongst us. That's my philosophy. That's why I've never been a Republican. It's not to say that they don't care, even though some people would accuse them of not caring. I just think that when you're so much about business that you don't think about the corridors extending beyond that, you can lose your soul. Yes, I'm a capitalist, but I'm a capitalist with a heart. That's how I feel about it. So I'm a supporter of student debt being eradicated, but I'm also a, port, a supporter of you telling me and articulating how you're going to pay for it. $400 billion. Should that fall on taxpayers? Should that fall on those of us who elected not to even go to college? that made lives for themselves without taking out student loans? Should they be forced to fit the bill? Should they be forced to pay for that? Those are legitimate questions that warrant answers. And I need something more than we care about you and the right doesn't. I need something more about we have a soul and they don't. I need something more than we're trying to regain the soul of America. They don't care. Because last time I checked, spanning centuries, both sides got their hands pretty damn dirty. In what has served to deteriorate and to and disintegrate the very best that our society had to offer. So I don't want to hear that. I don't think taxpayers should have to fit the bill for those who willingly took out student loans, signed and committed to an obligation to pay for it, and then struggle to do so. I don't think ta taxpayers should have to fit that bill. But I do believe if there's a way for us to alleviate that concern for people who can't afford it, we should damn sure do it. And maybe, just maybe, if you are on Capitol Hill and you're implementing and legislating policy every day, maybe if you were doing a better job of making sure that our economy was flourishing and making sure that people were employed and making sure our participation in the labor, in the labor force was up to snuff, maybe this wouldn't be a concern. Maybe, just maybe, Although there is no doubt that our problems are self-inflicted. The bigger crime is that 
you all have certainly done a magnificent job of exacerbating it. That's just my thought. As it pertains to the violence in the streets that I spoke about the other day, the reason why I brought that up and I'm bringing that up now, piggybacking off of these student loans is because of this one simple reason. It doesn't matter if we're dead. Student loan debt, reparations, all of this other stuff that comes with it, legitimate subjects to discuss and banter back and forth about and try to find a resolution with. But let me tell you something, it don't matter if we're killing each other. I'm not gonna let this go. 53 people getting killed in one week in Chicago. Violence all over the streets. Black folks making up 12 and a half percent of the population in America. Hispanic folks approaching 20 percent. White folks at 60 percent. Who you think is going to suffer the most if we dying? It'll be us. I'm not letting it go. So, yes, student loan relief is important. Yes, equality is important. Diversity, equity, inclusion, it's important. Regardless of what the governor of Florida might intimate. All of those things matter. But nothing is more important than staying alive. It's the only way you can live after all. It's the only way you can live. That's it for this episode. I hope y'all enjoyed it. I hope y'all make sure to click on the Stephen A. Smith Show so you can become one of my newest subscribers. Subscribe to the Stephen A. Smith Show. Please just click on that subscribe button, press that up arrow, and you'll hear that bell. And that means you're a newest subscriber to the Stephen A. Smith Show. It's growing and growing and growing. It's growing by the thousands, practically every day over the last few weeks. I thank y'all for that. There's no me without y'all. I know that. And I really, really appreciate it. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I'll continue to try to bring forth to you the best shows that I can possibly do. That ain't going to stop. As long as you want me, I'll be here. Until Monday, y'all. Peace and love. Make sure you enjoy your weekend. All the best to you. God bless. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts.